Well, good morning again. I want a real quick reference um, that I did not steal this uh, this gravestone. Uh, it is it is used uh, as it were, but the uh, good folks over at the Love Monument Company uh, were redoing. Uh, a, a gravestone, and I asked if I could borrow one, and they're like, why? <laughs> Everyone wants to just borrow one, right? We don't want to have one as our permanence, you know, and I tried to put that across, and I said, actually, I'm doing a, a sermon series uh, talking about the brevity of life, and uh, so this, I just wanted as a reminder that one day, this is what will sum us up. And you may get the blessing, as Patricia here had, uh, of not only just having the dates, but also the dash, but up here it also says, our beloved wife and mother, rest in peace. But let's be honest, what's going to be said about you on your tombstone is going to be very short, because your life is truly a mist. The dash between the two dates of your life is much shorter than you're going to want it to be. And so this series is about organizing our priorities in light of the fact that we won't be around forever. To make each day count, Moses told us, count, teach us to number our days so that we can have godly wisdom. We need to count our days so our days will really count. That's what we looked at last week. Today we're going to look at the advice of another wise man. This is the man by the name of King Solomon. He wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. I'm sure that you have dabbled into reading this. It's a really strange book because through Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon is struggling. He is struggling with what really is the meaning of life. What does it matter? What is the point? What is going on? And he is trying to consider life, as most people do, without God. Because if you've noticed, in the book of Ecclesiastes, God is not mentioned very much. That's not his focal point. His question, well, maybe it's still his focal point. He kind of sums it up coming there to God. But his concern is how do we make the most of life under the sun? What he means by that is here, horizontal relationships, the things that we see in creation, how do we make the most of life there? And as he considers everything under the sun, he is hit in the square between the eyes with the reality of mortality. Because everyone dies. And, and the fact that everyone eventually dies haunts him. And it gives this lasting impression, impression to Solomon that not everything lasts. In fact... The thing that he constantly remembers is that no one will be constantly remembered. Just check out how he says it in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 16. He says, for the wise and the foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. In the days to come, both will be forgotten. That's sad but true, isn't it? I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, most people that have walked the face of this earth have been forgotten. Most of us here in this room will eventually be forgotten, and that's pretty humbling, isn't it? Because right now, I want to be known, and I would love to be known past my death date. 
I would, be loved to be, I would love to be known into the next generation and the next generation. And if God grants me the wonderful life to be able to be known into that next generation, great. But at some point, people are going to forget whether I was wise or a fool. So Solomon ponders this life under the sun. He gravitates towards a phrase that he thinks sums it up. Depending on your translation, it might be a word, vanity. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Or maybe another translation says, meaningless, meaningless. Actually, this is how Solomon starts the whole book. He says, these are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. If you had to guess, was Solomon an optimist or a pessimist? <laughs> it seems fairly obvious, doesn't it? This is a very pessimistic view of life. I mean, this is kind of a Debbie Downer kind of view here. It's just all meaningless. It's pointless. It's vanity. Whenever I consider all these things, you know, it's just meaningless. Now, here's what I found interesting. The Hebrew word there, I know I don't know tons of Hebrew, so I have to dive into the scholars, but what I found, that Hebrew word is hebel. Now, hebel means breath of air. It means a vapor or maybe a mist. It's the same word that the psalmist would use in Psalm 144, verse 3 and 4. It says, O Lord, what are human beings that you should notice them? Eat mere mortals that you should think about them. For they are like hebel, a breath of air. Their days are like a passing shadow. What Solomon, I believe, is trying to communicate whenever over and over again throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, it's meaningless. He's saying, it's just a breath of air. All the things that we try to get meaning out of in this life, whenever we try to say, what is the point of life, and we ascribe meaning of things under the sun, he says, that's like chasing the wind. You're never going to reach it. It's meaningless to try to ascribe meaning into things that will not last. Well, that's some good advice for us, isn't it? Because a lot of us have ascribed our identity, our meaning, our worth into things that will not last. And Solomon, says, it's, that's meaningless. It's vanity. Don't do that. But Solomon doesn't just leave us with the don't do that. He gives us two different takes on this understanding that we are just missed. Two different takes that we can have when we understand that we are just missed, or dare I say, we'll call them missed takes. Thank you. Thank you, someone. That's all I get. <laughs> all right. Um, the first one is this. It's for the cynics. His first take is saying, you know, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. These are for the people that really, th this kind of view is for the people that want to uh, sum up life with, you know, simple and sometimes absurd little sayings or thoughts. It's like, it, it's like the thought, good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. You've heard that, right? You know, that's not true. You know that, right? Because the thing is, that's meaningless, that's vanity. Solomon knows this. Because Job's friends were the ones that said, hey, if you, 
the reason you're being punished is because you have bad things. Ha- uh, you did bad things. That's why bad things are happening, and God reprimands them. Solomon says it this way in Ecclesiastes 7. He says, I've seen everything in this meaningless life, including the death of young people and the long life of wicked people. Have you noticed that good people sometimes die way too young? And that bad people sometimes live way too long? Maybe that's the harsh way of saying it. But the reality is, We can't just sum up life saying, well, good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. It's all karma. No, it's not. That's not how life works. That's not how it it happens. Ecclesiastes 8, 14. And this is not all that is meaningless in our world. In this life, good people are often treated as though they are wicked, and wicked people are often treated as though they were good. This is so meaningless. I think one of the reasons we have the book of Ecclesiastes is because God knows that good people struggle with what's the point of life. I mean, Solomon, he had his mess-ups, he had his flaws, but here's the thing, Solomon was a good person. He had a lot of great qualities, and I think he pondered these things and wrote them out in his wisdom because we are going to think some of the same things. Have you ever thought, what's the point? What's the point of this? I mean, why do I go and do these things that people said I'm supposed to do? What's the point? Isn't it all just meaningless? Isn't that what it is? I mean, because that's how it feels. Does it really matter? Some people say, well, you know, since it doesn't matter, hey, here's the things that do. Go get a good education. Go get yourself a good spouse. Make enough money and then live the things of the good life and your life will have meaning. You do all those things, yeah, you'll have meaning, right? Solomon walked down every one of those roads. He had the good life. He didn't just find one spouse. He found way too many. He didn't just get some money. He was filthy rich, according to Scripture. I mean, you can just read the, the, the descriptions of his wealth, and it was ob- obscenely rich in his time. And he says, none of that satisfies Why? The old adage, you can't take it with you. It's done. It's over with. When you're dead, who's going to spend your money now? When you're gone, it's meaningless. All those things that people try to ascribe their life to, it's all meaningless. Solomon says, that's just not how it works. And he almost came to the point, well, in fact, here's what he said in 2.17. He says, so I came to hate life. Because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind. So Solomon says, you're trying to chase something that can't be caught. When you try to ascribe your meaning to things under the sun in any part of creation, whether it be having a good job, having a good family, having a good income, having a good whatever, when you try to ascribe your value and your meaning to those meaningless things, it's like chasing the wind. It's always going to be frustrating because you'll never catch it. You'll never catch up. It doesn't matter how you play your hand if death has the trump card. That's what he's saying. So just live a life. It doesn't matter. That's the cynic's view, but that's not the only take that Solomon offers in life. That was one take, so here's the next take. 
Take two, live it up. Since we're going to die anyway, you might as well make the most of the days that you have, so live it up. Do all the living that you can. If we can't manage death, instead of letting that bring us down, let's find the joy of life. Kind of like a, a, a gravestone that uh, Hewlin uh, Chandler shared with me um, and uh, took a picture of it, so I wanted to share this. And I can't read that from the stage, so I'll read that here. I've heard this saying before. I've never actually seen it on a tombstone, so here it is. It says this, Life is not just a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. I like that. I mean, there's part of me that's like, you know what? If the grave's in my future, I'm going to make sure that I am skidding in there. I am like, you know, I want the angels safe. You know, that I am, I've done everything in this life. I've lived it up to the fullest that whenever I come to the grave, this body and this life is just thoroughly exhausted because I have done everything I could to get the most out of this life. Now, some people try to live that way and they go the wrong direction with that, but I believe godly people can do this in a godly way. You can live in such a way that gives life so much fullness, so much richness, and you can do it until your dying day. That's, that's a cool image. I like that. It, and in some ways, this is also the same kind of message that uh, Timon and Pumbaa tried to give to, to Simba, you know, in The Lion King. Akuna Matata. What a wonder. Oh, I'm not going to sing it all, sorry. Um, Akuna Matata means, remember? No worries. You know how to live up life? You don't worry. You don't worry, you go through it. Now, there's consequences and there's some some problems in that, but Solomon gives us some heads up and some understanding. Ecclesiastes 3.12, so I concluded, there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can live. uh, Chapter 8, verse 15, so I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way they will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun, or chapter 9, verse 7. So go ahead, eat your food with joy, drink your grape juice with a happy heart, for God approves of this. You know what he's saying? Laugh a little. Enjoy life. Go on a date. Have a nice meal. Take a vacation. Your work will be waiting when you get back. Trust me. Get a hobby, and by all means, have some ice cream. (laughs) Enjoy life, because there's a lot of reasons to have joy in this life, isn't there? I mean, you can think of a lot of them. You have the baby's laugh and just watching. I I was getting such joy looking across the auditorium and watching, um, well, Rusty and Weston over here. That was was a lot of fun, Uh, just watching those two interact and watch other kids just some joy in that, right? You know, the, the thing is, if an atheist can argue the problem with pain, whenever he says, you know, if there's a good God, why is there so much pain in this world? If they can argue the problem of pain, I think Christians, theists, should be able to argue the problem with joy. Why is there so much needless joy in this world? I mean, because think about it. 
there's a bunch of it. All of these reasons that for people to be happy, to have joy in their lives, a good God wants that for us. Just think, I got a couple of illustrations for you. Think of the food you eat. The mere purpose of food is to fuel the body, and God could have made all food taste bland. He could have made every bit of it taste so bland, but it serves its purpose to fuel the body. But you know what God did? He gave you taste buds, you know, a few thousand of those things, that are able to distinguish different flavors and different intensities and all the wonderful things that make you want to eat some unhealthy stuff because God has blessed us with the joy of taste buds. Or just think of, think of your eye. Think of all the colors in the world. You know how God could have created this world? In all grays. Black, white, gray. See, you can see the world like a dog sees the world, as we understand. But you know what God did? He gave you an eye so that you could enjoy not only every color, but every shade of every color. Because he wants you to enjoy this life. There are so many reasons to have joy in the life that we've been given. Solomon's saying, yeah, life is hard, but that is no reason to let that suck the joy out of life. Life may be hard, but you might as well have some joy living it. And truth be told, this world needs the witness of a people who live life full of joy. This world needs Christians to live in such a way that they look at us and think, what in the world are you on? And then we can say, well, Jesus. That's the appropriate answer. We can say, our king has promised to give us life and life to the full, and we're living it up to the fullness of his glory. But there's a problem. A problem with what Solomon proposes. In both of his takes, he still considers death should be the end. That death's the end, that's why it doesn't matter for the cynic, and it also, even if you live it up, you might as well live it up because you only have a short amount of days. And he considers death the end. But where Solomon falls short, Paul shows that he is actually wiser. Paul's in prison whenever he writes um, the, the book of Philippians, and he doesn't know how long his dash is going to be. If it's going to be ended pretty quick, because it sure could, or if his life is going to be extended. And so he says this in Philippians 1, 20, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. I want you to know the view that Paul had, the outlook that he had on life, death couldn't even shake. Death had no toll on his mission and his purpose. Whereas Solomon said, you know what, you can live as a cynic, that it really doesn't matter, or you can live it up, Paul says, there's something even better because Solomon thinks both those still end in death. Here's the missed take that is probably the best for us. Live for Christ. Live for Christ because what Paul is saying is it's all about Christ. Solomon was looking at this world that it's all about me. I go and have all these wives, I have all this money, I have all this wisdom, and it's all these things that give no meaning for my life. And Paul says, you know what? I don't have much, 
I'm in a prison. I may die tomorrow. But you know what? Death cannot thwart the mission that I'm on. Death cannot take my joy because if I live, that's for Christ. And if I die, guess what? That's for Christ too. Because when you live or die for Christ, you have true meaning. If exalting Christ is your aim in life, you will not miss your target. There are so many things in this life that our goal is here and we're going to miss it just because of life. But if honoring Christ and exalting his name is your goal, it doesn't matter if your dash is short or long, you will not miss your target. You will honor him. Life will never be a waste if it's lived to the glory of God. And if your life then has no meaning right now, if you think to yourself, man, I, I don't get it. I mean, I've tried this path, I've tried that path, and I'm still just not sure what life is about. I'm just going to propose that you might have the wrong goal. And maybe you need to switch your priorities. Shift them away from chasing the wind. Shift them away from chasing anything under the sun and start chasing the Son of God. Chase Him. Because when you chase Him, your life will have true meaning. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work with enthusiasm for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever going to be called vanity, meaningless. Because anything and everything that you do for the Lord has meaning, not just for this life, but for fullness of life, life beyond death. That's the kind of life that we ought to be reminding each other that we ought to live. One that's life that is to the full. Not with the things of this world, the things under the sun, but things that are full of Christ and honoring Him. So if you want to start living with some meaning today, I want to recommend that you give your life to Christ. I recommend that you give your life to Christ as him as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't know what that means, don't know how that looks, I would love to have a longer conversation with you. But the short story is, you die to yourself so that you can live through him. You do that through the process of confessing, of repenting. You can get the order switched around, I'm sorry. Repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of your sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you will come to a new life, a life that has full meaning. A life that so many of us are striving to live every day. And if you want to rekindle that flame to live it up for Christ, we also want to pray for you. If you have any need of, of the leadership in this congregation or, or just any member of the congregation, this is a great opportunity to let us know. Would you come as we stand and as we sing together?